And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton. And I'm Dylan Clare. And today we are not doing any of that. We are instead, since uh, Jana and my schedules don't uh, align well over the last couple weeks, you guys did an episode last week yep. talking about baseball movies. Baseball. We're... we're also going to talk about baseball a little bit yeah um but dylan you're a you're a younger person than me i, I, I guess relatively it doesn't yeah, feel I, like it though well uh, literally you're a younger person than me <laughs> uh i grew up with my formidable uh years in the 90s which aligned quite well with the peak uh episodes of a very very long-running show i think the longest running sitcom uh and longest running cartoon uh, called The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But you're, it's sort of a big blind spot for you. How much of The Simpsons have you watched before this? Uh, I've seen one of the Halloween episodes, the one with the Raven. Um, okay. Because we saw it in 10th grade English class about seven, eight. How long was that ago? Long, long ago. Um, don't remember anything of it. I just remember I watched it. Um, and then I think I watched the season premiere of season 20 or something just because I was at a friend's house at the friend, uh, family watches Simpsons and it was on and, uh, gotta say, didn't think it was that good. <laughs> Cause yeah, that one I and... remember a little bit more clearly. <laughs> so Simpsons is, is certainly like the go-to example for something that's overstated it's welcome to the point where i think the general consensus is that the peak seasons are seasons three to eight or nine depending on who you ask a long peak yeah it's a very long peak but also uh i don't know what season they're in now i haven't watched anything since season i want to say 14 or 15 but it's it's certainly been not great longer than it was terrific um, it's the real Albert Pujols of television series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, they're in Actually, 30. Albert Pujols has been better most of his career than not, but just... Yeah, yeah, I guess. But they're, they're, sim- they're similarly... I mean, maybe that's unfair, because I haven't watched it in such a long time that um, maybe it's gotten better and I'm missing out, but... Mm-hmm. You haven't seen much of... So it sounds like you've seen one episode of The Peak Simpsons yeah. era then. Okay. And I remember thinking it was funny, but I don't really remember much that happened. Yeah. Do you have much context then? Like, other than memes, do you have an understanding as to, like, who the characters are, what their personalities are, things like that? I think I can name most of the family members. There's Bart, there's Homer, there's Marge, there's Lisa. Fuck, what's the baby's name? Maggie. Really? Maggie I'd the have baby. Never yeah. have guessed. Maggie the baby. Yep. I wouldn't have gotten that on a multiple choice. Okay, Maggie the baby. Um, and besides that, uh, I know there's the the, the creepy rich dude. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a clown. There's a clown. Uh, I know there's a kid with glasses that Real I hunts? thought I th- 
I thought that like Homer or not Homer Bart like was like a bully to him, but it seems like he's Bart's friend. Yeah, it's Bart's best friend. And uh, his name is Milhouse Mil- Van Houten. Oh, I thought it was Millsap. Oh, that's basketball. No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. Millhouse. Um, is there any other quote unquote main characters I'm missing? Would you say? Um, so you got the family and then there's probably a hundred secondary characters. Yeah. yeah. But ones that are like every episode in there. Um, I would say Mr. Burns is probably the biggest one. Mo the bartender and Barney are up there. And Mr. Burns is the drunk guy? No, Mr. Burns is the, uh, the rich guy who runs the uh, power okay. plant. What's, yeah. what's the drunk guy that makes the movie? Barney. Barney Gumble, okay. yeah. And then, uh, what's the rich guy's assistant? Smithers. Okay. Waylon Smithers. So, Waylon. <laughs> yeah. What a name. So we weren't sure like what we were going to talk about because at some point we're planning on doing like great movies that we ourselves are going to present mm-hmm. um, that didn't make it into Ebert's book or or were made after uh, he's making these books. So I didn't want to pick like. Tempopo or something like that that you haven't seen to force you yeah. to watch um and i forget how it even came up but we were talking and some simpsons reference came up that you didn't get i was like i know what we need to do we're gonna pick three simpsons episodes and we're gonna talk about them so we picked out three um each for very specific reasons so we're gonna talk about homer at the bat we are gonna talk about marge versus the monorail and we are gonna talk about a star is burns now, can I ask you a couple of questions about, like, maybe yeah. why you pick these episodes in some more context? Yeah. So, on all the uh, Wikipedia pages of these episodes, um, they're always written... Uh, they're in, in the episode features, there's always written a chalkboard gag and a couch gag. Yep. I didn't pick up on any of that watching the episodes. Um, what does yeah. that mean? So, did, did you watch the intros, or did you skip past I watched one of the intros. Okay. So the intro to The Simpsons during the theme song, it opens with a pan into the school, and it will be Bart drawing on the chalkboard, um, like as if he were in detention having to write something over and over mm-hmm. again. That's the chalkboard gag, because that's different every episode. Okay. And then the couch gag is at the end, um, the standard intro is just they all the family all jumps onto the couch in front of the TV, but... For the vast majority of episodes, there's some kind of bit where something else happens. So we can we can talk about those as we uh, intro each episode. So for Homer at the Bat, um, the reason I picked this one is just, one, it's a great episode. It's one of the more famous episodes, I think. But also, it's mm-hmm. the most baseball-centric episode. Which goes up our alley pretty well. Yeah, yeah, exactly Exactly. So this is uh, season three, episode 17. The chalkboard gag is I will not aim for the head, which is in keeping with uh, baseball. Mm. And I don't know if the chalkboard gags literally always coincide with the episode um, theme, but this one goes pretty well. Now, which which MLB pitcher would be stuck in detention writing I will not aim for the head on a on a chalkboard? Probably Nolan Ryan. Current pitcher? That's a good call. I was thinking current pitcher, but Nolan Ryan's a oh, pretty damn good call. Uh, probably the Yankees closer, her, who's I think currently suspended or maybe today will be 
eligible for his first game for literally doing that. Oh, did he? Oh. Yeah. Um, what about that Marlins guy that kept on hitting Acuna for like two oh, years now? Yeah, what's his name? Uh, I don't even what know where... He threw that no-hitter and then he became super popular and then he immediately ruined his reputation by going after like everyone's favorite young player. Was it Arania? Is that his name? I think that sounds right. Because I don't think he's on the Marlins anymore. Jose oh, really? Arania. Let's look. Yeah. I, I, I only remember that sucker for trying to hit Acuna. Like again yeah. and again every time he was at bat. What an ass. Is it Arania? uh let's see yeah that was him and it looks like he's uh playing for the tigers now <laughs> okay yeah i don't i don't keep wait did you of... say he threw it did you say he threw a no hitter i don't think he ever i don't think he was ever like very good i think he or i think he threw a very close to no hitter okay i'm, I'm pretty sure i remember like turning that game on and then that's how i first came to know him and then was just like why is this guy throwing at acuna <laughs> this is not good uh, because Acuna kept hitting home runs off of him, so yeah, just pitch better, loser. There you go. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be uh, what's his name, uh, Aroldis Chapman. Yeah, bad person. Also bad at uh, being a baseball player. I mean, he's a good baseball player, but he's bad at like uh, the conduct of a baseball player. He's not good in the clutch. Uh, looking at Rajai Davis over there. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good times, if if only for a, a fleeting few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So back to Homer at the bat. Mm-hmm. The the couch gag is the the family all runs into the couch and they collide into each other. Yep. So this episode has a number of guest uh, celebrity voices, and those are Wade Boggs, <laughs> Jose Canseco, Roger Clemens, Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, Steve Sachs, Mike Sosha, Ozzy Smith, Daryl Strawberry, and then Terry Cashman. So the episode begins with Homer at work. He's eating a bunch of donuts and he starts choking on them. One thing I really love about the Simpsons is the the way each or at least the peak Simpsons is that the plot of the show starts off with something totally unrelated. So it begins with Homer nearly dying. Yeah. <laughs> um and that that quickly is just a segue to them ignoring the heimlich sign on the wall and instead signing up for the team the company softball team yeah th- that would be like almost an offhand just like joke gag that they missed the sign but then suddenly the softball team becomes the entire episode yeah yeah and usually usually that that intro is even longer like the there's a much longer tangent to get to the heart of the episode but this one it's relatively short and sweet there's a lot of plot in this because there are lots of different subplots that uh, each of the players goes down. So I think that must've been why they were just hurrying up to, we got to get to the baseball. So the, the um, nuclear power plant has a baseball team or a softball team. And Homer talks everyone else t- into signing up, even though they were terrible um, in years prior, they say that last year they were two and 28 it wasn't our best season. And somebody says, actually, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. But Homer um, suggests that he is a secret weapon and therefore the softball team will be good. Yeah. And we learn what the secret weapon is. The Simpsons makes a ton of movie references. So have you seen The Natural before? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yes. Same. Um but uh, there's a lot of natural references, especially at the end. Yeah, and at the beginning too, like the his 
bat. So Homer tells mm-hmm. Bart the story about his secret weapon, which is that he basically built um, Wonder Boy from the natural. He did so by being stuck in a storm and getting a piece of sheet metal to protect himself with and then hiding for cover under the tallest tree he could find. Um, which is just classic Homer dumbassism. This was the episode that probably made me, made me laugh the hardest. So uh, Yeah, there's, there's so many great bits in this. Yeah. So he, he uh, is hiding under the tree, lightning strikes it, and he fashions a bat, a Wonder Boy-esque bat, and he knows that it's going to um, bring him success during the softball season. So opening day of the softball season is against the cops. Mm-hmm. And I love the bit of the ump going over the ground rules for them, which is at this, like this inning, this inning, this inning, you have to chug a beer. After you do this, you have to chug a beer. <laughs> We know how to play softball. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's Chief Wiggum who says that, who's the police chief and another like pretty prominent um, yeah. of the the secondary characters. He seemed to pop up in all three episodes, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up a lot. He's he's one of the funnier characters, I think. So Homer does um, make use of his. I don't. I don't remember if the bat has a name. Like if they call it Wonder Bat or something like that. I think but, they do. Yeah, he he busts it out and he goes yard. He hits a a dinger, and um, then they do this mon- like a, a montage of the team on the softball circuit, and the power plant suddenly is totally unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So, are you familiar at all with what Shelbyville is? No, not at all. Okay, so Shelbyville is sort of the the Eagleton to Springfield's gotcha. Pawnee. It doesn't come sense. up a lot. Yeah, it doesn't come up a lot, but there are a handful of instances where they talk about Shelbyville, and it's the, the town adjacent to theirs. Um, and at times, they're also meant to be, it's not quite as like hoity-toity as Eagleton, but there's a lot of town rivalry gotcha. um, between, between Shelbyville and Springfield. So their power plant owner, which is hilarious that these two <laughs> adjacent towns <laughs> both have power plant owners, um, in order to, uh, the the softball teams are going to be playing against each other, the two uh, power plants. So um, their owner in Burns, who's the Springfield um, power plant owner, mm-hmm. decide to make a $1 million wager over who will win the softball pennant. Now, at least what I know about Burns, this I feel like he wouldn't care as much about a $1 million bet because he seems like a multi-trillionaire. Like, why does he care so much about winning a million dollars? I don't know. I do like the the bit, though, where um, he's like, why don't we do something interesting? And the, the guy says, oh, is a million dollars not interesting to you? And he's like, oh, I misheard you. Yeah, we could do about a million dollars. Yeah, um, I don't know. I so that's the end of uh, like the first commercial break, and then um, he does. Apparently, they offer Jose Canseco fifty k to play the final game, mm-hmm. which uh, you know fifty k for nine players. That's nearly half a million dollars. <laughs> so he's. I mean, granted, he's basically guaranteeing that he's winning, but he's significantly cutting into his. Uh, potential earnings by by hedging in that way yeah the dolans know this better than anyone else 
Oh, oh, the Dolans. It's been a long season already, although I th- I think we've actually scored a run before the uh, ninth inning today, so that's good. Woo! So, good for you. Burns um, decides to bring in some ringers. <laughs> ringers he, is a, he lists, quite a term for the, the team he decides to build. Yeah, so the team he wants to build is, um, he, he mentions Hannes Wagner, Kath Anson, <laughs> and Mordecai Three Finger Brown. And Smithers uh, has to inform him that not only are they dead, one of them has been dead for like well over 100 years. <laughs> so they don't ever show them like coming up with the list of players. They just go from, you know, early 90s superstar to early 90s superstar. So I, I listed off the names of people. Oh, um, yeah. I, I have the, the list too. Yeah. But uh, they they lure Jose Canseco. He's signing autographs, and they tell him they'll they'll pay him to play in this game. Mike Sosha, it, the former, is Mike Sosha still managing? Because I I know he's out. Is the I, th- uh, I didn't think he was. I'm not sure if he re- retired or if he just got uh, the boot from the Angels. Let's see. Yeah, he's a former hmm. manager. Yeah, so it looks like he's not working anywhere now. Anyways, um, so uh, they find Mike Sosha hunting and they lure him in by wanting, <laughs> like asking if he wants to work at a place of cool machines, things like that. Apparently, Ozzy Smith is a tourist of weird attractions. They find him at like Graceland taking Elvis pictures of like Elvis paraphernalia. <laughs> and Smithers uh, lures him from there. Mattingly, they just stop at his house and he's cooking. <laughs> and Steve Sachs is st- playing stand-up bass in a band. Yeah. And then the other people, the other people on the team, who uh, they don't show how they lure them in, but uh, Roger Clemens, Ken Griffey Jr., and uh, Daryl Strawberry. So that team of nine players, I, I looked this up. There are uh, four MVP wins between the the nine of them. Mm-hmm. There's only one pitcher, obviously, Roger Clemens, but he himself has seven Cy Youngs. Jesus Christ. The nine of, the nine of them made it to 78 All-Star games. Oh, my God. And the nine of them have a combined 570 baseball reference war. That's crazy. Did, did you happen to see what they were doing in uh, 92 when this episode came out? No, no. I mean, I... I'm that was like Ken Griffey Jr. I feel like that was before he really exploded. So Ken Griffey at that point had made a few All Star games, but it was still, you know, he he wasn't um, he his MVP season wasn't until '97. But I mean, yeah, he's yeah, more yeah. of like a prospect well, he, still, I, I guess. So this episode is from '92. He was only 22 yeah. at the time, but he'd already made three all-star games by the 92 season. I mean, he was, he was, he was King Griffey Jr. He, he was, was so good. One of the best at his peak. And and how, how old was Jose Canseco at this point too? Cause I feel like he was on the younger end of this. Yeah. He debuted in starting, he debuted nine. in starting, yeah, he debuted in 85. So this would have been his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven his eighth season or 
seventh full season. He had a short he had a shortened eighty nine season, okay. but even by this time, he'd already won Rookie of the Year. He'd already won MVP. Okay, never mind. Everyone else here is yeah a yeah. bit older than those two. So they they get all these people jobs at the power plant, and then by the way, um, you're also now eligible for playing on our softball team. So they're they're sort of forced to mm-hmm. play softball, which displaces all the the normal power plant workers. Homer runs into Daryl Strawberry and says, "Hey, you play right field. I play right field. Are you better than me?" And I love that I've never met you, but. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daryl Strawberry. So Burns has a meeting with the team, and he has various, like, very old-fashioned um, plans for how the team will work, including having them drink brain and nerve tonic, which Griffey takes a, a shine to. And then they try <laughs> other things, like he hypnotizes the players yeah. – in order to get them to beat Shelbyville. And I love the, uh, the hypnotizer, the, is it, is it called a hypnotizer or a hypnotist? Hypnotist tells them to give 110% and they, they refute that saying that it's, it's impossible. That feels like a very, uh, effectively wild bit. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Ben and Jeff and Sam on that one. Uh, something I uh, saw on the uh, Wikipedia page was Ken Griffey Jr. got very frustrated recording the line, there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited when he had to drink it because he didn't understand what it meant. <laughs> and so they had to struggle to get him to say it. Also, um, the only other person that seemed to be kind of uncooperative with their recording, Comments. can you guess who it was out of that group? Sosha? No. Uh... No. Oh. It's Conseco. He didn't like that he his original part, uh, how his original part was written, because Al Jean considered him intimidating, and then forced the writers to write him as heroic and nice as possible. That's hilarious because I think his his subplot is my favorite one because it's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I'm not surprised that Jose Canseco would do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Conseco's wife objected to the character because she said the animation looked nothing like him. Uh, Look, it's Simpsons animation. I don't know what this person's complaining about. Yeah, he's like thick, a thick-necked meathead. It yeah. seems pretty accurate to me. Yeah, as, as accurate as you could get in like Simpsons drawing. Yeah, yeah. So um, as they're working, we see that Sosha has a lot of interactions with radioactive waste. <laughs> which comes up in uh, our next episode actually the yep. improper handling of radioactive waste and then Mattingly Burns tells them to get rid of those sideburns which I don't know how long the Yankee like no facial hair policy has been in effect but if Forever? it wasn't if it yeah if it, I I assume that this is a reference to that yeah and, and the funny part is Matty Lee doesn't have any sideburns. Yeah, he doesn't have sideburns. Like, whatever Burns thinks sideburns are, they're not, not what it. he has. It's, it's, it's just a mustache. Yeah. And uh, during the team practice, Wonder Bat is destroyed by Clemens. <laughs> that part was probably the part that made me laugh the most. <laughs> just because I, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah. So the roster is announced, and naturally, um, only the pro 
MLB players made it to the roster. Which leads us to the next commercial break. And they come back and Burns, feeling good, says, in order for us to lose this bet, we would need basically nine separate misfortunes to happen to all these players. It's unlikely to have any more than, he's like, maybe we'll have one or two, possibly even three or four, but nine, absolutely not. Yeah, this so, is just the ultimate jinxing here that you go on here. Yeah. So the fate of Steve Sachs is he's pulled over by the cops and they basically uh, <laughs> geographically profile him because he's from New York City. And uh, they heard that there was a murder once in New York City, so they arrest him. For, for every murder in your New for, York City. Yeah, for multiple life sentences, I think, ultimately. <laughs> Oh, I just love how he's like, but you don't understand. There's many unsolved murders in New York City. And they're like, you, you don't know you when should to keep learn your... when to keep your mouth shut. Sax- they call him, you, you don't know when to keep your mouth shut, do you, sexy boy? <laughs> um, Mike Sosha, former Angels manager, unfortunately, suffers from acute radiation poisoning and is on the verge of death the rest of the episode. I believe the last we hear of him is like, He's not going to make it through the night. <laughs> through the night, yeah. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr., due to loving the the nerve tonic that is bringing the party to his mouth, gets gigantism. So he's also at the hospital with Mike Sosha. Now, was this pre the steroid? Um, not the epidemic, because I'm sure they were doing it at this point, but the controversy so much or like the yeah, mainstream yeah. knowledge of it? Because this seemed like a heavy steroids reference, at least. Yeah. So, the, I mean, like the, the Maguire-Sosa era was, what, late 90s or early It 2000s? might have even just been 2000. Yeah. Um, so, so this is... That's, I think, when it came to, like, the forefront. Yeah. So, this is way before um, yeah. that kind of came to a head. Because even the steroid, like, there was knowledge that those guys were using steroids, but it, it hadn't blown up in the controversy way, I would say until like A-Rod had his suspension is when people Mm. stopped just brushing it under the rug. Yeah. So Canseco, like you said, nice guy, um, saves (laughs) a baby, (laughs) saves a baby from a burning building. The line Canseco, nice guy, is just so dumb to me. (laughs) Hey, he was right about uh, A-Rod and J-Lo's troubled relationship. Although, didn't they get back together? Like They did get back together. So, I mean, who knows then? Maybe maybe that was all just like a a bit to stick it to to Conseco. So he goes to save his baby from a burning building and then he goes back in to save the cat and then um onto the the player piano and <laughs> and he ends up just moving this whole woman's apartment out of the building. Yeah, to the point where she's like, "Oh no, the dryer goes on the the right side of the washing machine." Yeah. It's like, "Okay." <laughs> We meet Barney um, for the first time in the bar. He is having a drink with Wade Boggs, and they're fighting over the best prime minister. <laughs> and he now, said, now who, who, "Who would you pick here, Nick? Uh, Lord Palmerston or William Pitt the Elder?" Uh, I would go Lord Palmerston because I don't want to get knocked out by Barney. But yeah, it seems horrible. Yeah, beyond that, I don't know enough about either of them to make an informed God decision. Sake. Certainly enough to 
not want to get into a heated bar fight over. To be fair, I wouldn't want to get punched by Wade Box on the other side of that either, though. Yeah. I don't want to get punched by anyone. <laughs> really? <laughs> Those two seem like really bad options, though. Yeah. Ozzy Smith goes to the Springfield mystery spot, which is not a thing in, in Springfield canon. It's made up for this episode, and he's trapped in some kind of purgatorial limbo. Yeah. Um, some real, like, wormhole shit going on here. Yeah. Mattingly doesn't get rid of his sideburns. He, like, shaves half of his head, but is still <laughs> banned so from playing. Yeah, um, I, I like uh, Matt and Lee's final line there. Like, oh, uh, something about it's better than still better than Steinbrenner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great line. Yeah, Great fucking line. Especially like he was actively playing for Steinbrenner at the time, right? Was it? Okay. Well, I gotta, I, I gotta look up at it. I gotta look up his. Uh... Oh yeah, he only played for he he only didn't Matt and Lee only play for the Yankees. Looks like he did. I thought he had, uh, towards the end of his career, he had one of those, like, uh, veteran trade sort of things. But yeah, yeah. I guess he was no, still yeah, playing for, for Steinbrenner. Genuinely want to know Steinbrenner's reaction to that line. Yeah, I know. It's like one of his star players uh, talking shit about him. <laughs> yeah. Did, did he ever react to the Seinfeld stuff that went I don't on? Know. Yeah, I don't know. What a weird thing. Don Mattingly's career is not as impressive as I thought it would be. Uh, he's a career 124 WRC+. Yeah, but like, Which, I mean, granted, he was he was a first baseman and I think corner outfielder, but still well, only, what only I'm 42 is, is war. For someone of his stature, a career 124 WRC+, plus as a first baseman is not yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful. It's not yeah, bad. I, he, had, he had like a, a high... Um, Kind of mid eighties peak, and yeah. then by the he time he had three seasons in a row where he was plus six WAR, yeah, and then he kind of falls off to an average player after that, yeah, and maybe sort of like, a- a- average to like low all star, you know, yeah, short of sort of a, a a short for somebody who came up when he was twenty one, first nearly full season at twenty two, he only played for fourteen years, so eh. yeah. Anyways, Don Manley's not that good. I mean, he's he's still solid, but not like. I uh, I'm, I, I, I'm I just trying to make some Yankee fans angry because they're always angry. They are. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> they're the, we love they, you. They, they need. They ha- they deserve to be the least angry of any sports team in all of history. Yeah, we love you, Yankees fans, but uh, we do. But you, we you you, but you we make don't. us. <laughs> you 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 make us have a better time rooting against you. Yeah. That's 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 the thing. Although I did root for them in various, like the last couple of playoffs against uh, teams that I hate more than them, like the Twins and the Astros. I'll accept the Astros one. The Twins one was not even not even close for me. Like not even not even hard to to root against the Twins in that situation. Clemens Clemens gets hypnotized into thinking he's a chicken, so that leaves. (laughs) It's so good. That leaves Daryl Strawberry as the only um, player left who, of course, plays right field like Homer. I don't understand why they don't put Homer into left field. It's an easy switch. Yeah. like, And he's definitely a better hitter than whoever's in left field at that point. Yeah. 
So you put two bats in. Maybe they wanted him for the platoon, which <laughs> they literally use. <laughs> <laughs> they, they use the platoon. Um, I tried looking up Strawberry's career splits, but Fangraphs oh, doesn't. Fangraphs doesn't have a splits tool going back that far. That's fair. So maybe the- he had a very like just an absurd platoon disadvantage. Yeah. I'm surprised out of all the players here that the only one that didn't get into an off the field problem that caused them to not. Is Daryl Strawberry. Mm hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Daryl. <laughs> You're a good player, but. One of my favorite bits, maybe my favorite bit from this entire episode is when Bart and Lisa are chanting at Daryl. Daryl. And he, it cuts to him and he's crying. <laughs> so. Despite How is his, that not a like a regular Simpsons meme that I see? I, I don't know. I, I've I've made that reference a few times. Uh, it it's hard. It doesn't come up a whole lot. There's not a lot of guys named Daryl out there doing stuff. But whenever <laughs> there are, or whenever a, a Daryl is doing something, um, perfect opportunity. Sure. So despite his nine home runs, did you know that he autographs baseballs and In writes on them? You and writes on them. But I've hit nine home runs today. No. I have one in my basement. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you later. Oh my god. How'd you get that? Uh, eBay. Oh my god. So Homer um is put in a situation where he can walk it off. Wait, wait, I just gotta ask, how much did you pay for that ball? Not a lot. That's I, don't, Simpsons. I don't remember. Okay. Just curious. Like a few thousand. No. Oh <laughs> my god. No, I'm joking. Okay. No. From from like most Autographed baseballs are not that cheap, except for the people that you would think uh, would be expensive. Eh, I mean, it's it's market value. If if Daryl Strawberry signing a thousand baseballs that are like I hit nine home runs, uh, getting one of them isn't going to be yeah, yeah super worth it uh, monetarily. Yeah, I'm looking up how much they go for now online. I bought it a few years ago. <laughs> I'm not seeing anyone with that caption on it yet. But his his balls, it looks like, are going for like 40, 50 bucks, something like that. Uh, uh, okay. So so the, the game is tied. Bases are loaded. Homer's at the plate. It's the bottom of the ninth. No, well, you didn't fully explain why Homer was at the plate. Oh, because for his platoon advantage. Yeah, because that's what really matters here. Which um, I, I guess we could call him a sabermetrician then. Is that uh, uh, is that full full following uh, saber principles? You won't get those reference, but this is like peak Pep Guardiola sort of shit that's going on right here. Is that a uh, soccer player? It's a soccer manager who's considered the best manager in the world until he gets to like a really important game and then overthinks it way too much and puts out like not a very good squad that he thinks will somehow match up well against the team he's playing against and always loses. Oh well, it seemed to work. Um... Yeah, I mean, in this situation, it did. Because Homer gets beamed, and it's a walk-off hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. It's a... Jesus. Has there ever been a championship won on a walk-off hit by pitch? I do not think so. I don't think so. Has there been a playoff series ever won by it, though? Because that's possible. Mm, no. Let's try walk-off hit by pitch pitch playoff see what that shows mm, not seeing anything damn it's got to happen at some point 
Yeah, over a long enough time span, you'd think it would have to. I'm eventually. almost surprised that it hasn't happened. So that is uh, that is the first episode we're going to talk about. What did you think of that episode, Dylan? Loved it. It's- Absolutely. Uh, left left my i i think i messaged you like i was laughing so hard that i needed to go pause to go it back. and go you have to drink a water the simpsons is incredibly joke dense like there are yeah. there are so many jokes that happen really fast and a lot of them are, are the type of joke where they get better upon rewatch or like they get funnier as you make references to them in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. of being um, extremely online so on Wikipedia it says there's uh it lists four people that were ter- that uh, weren't able to be as part of this episode that were players. Mm-hmm. Um, they were Nolan Ryan, Ricky Henderson, Ryan Sandberg, and Carlton Fisk. Nolan Ryan would have been pretty good. Those are so those are, those are some of my favorite players growing up. Nolan Ryan was like my favorite non Cleveland player growing up, but Ricky- really. Ricky Henderson would have been fucking hilarious. Oh my god, I wish they had Ricky Henderson. Yeah. Um I can even say that Ricky Henderson was one of my favorite players growing up because that's how fucking long Ricky Henderson played baseball. Yeah. There's He he debuted in 79 and ended his career in 2003. There's a um <laughs> Okay. Wow. Morgan Spurlock, the guy from... Uh, oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, me too. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the guy from... <laughs> what did he do? Supersize Me? Yeah, whatever. He, Shitty movie. Yeah, I, I don't like that movie. Uh, even a little bit. He made a... Uh, a or I think he... I don't know if he narrated it or, or directed it or what, but they, they made a, uh, a Ken Burns-esque documentary about this episode oh my god really yeah which it's it's worth watching it's i mean it's not as good as the episode but it's kind of a fun especially if you're familiar with ken burns baseball it's a fun um like pairing to to go with this i'd, yeah. re- I'd recommend it as like a lark did you know that they're fine oh, man they're finally re-releasing ken burns uh baseball on dvd or on not on dvd on blu-ray yeah i cannot wait you, you should have picked ken burns uh baseball for this episode <sighs> oh but it would take so long yeah, and, I was like, just like, how much homework would that be? And it's probably longer than Decalogue. Yeah, and try, oh, it's definitely longer than Decalogue. And trying to to review all that uh, <laughs> would be a real challenge because I just want to talk about every single thing. Yeah, I haven't I haven't rewatched that in such a long time. I've I've rewatched like bits of it, but uh, same. It's anytime it's on TV, I turn to it. But yeah. I don't think I've sat down and watched the whole thing in ten years. Maybe it's eighteen hours, and that doesn't include the tenth inning. Oh God! So I'm. I'm Eli looking. Wallach is in it. Yeah, that comes out in uh, the beginning of June. So I'm definitely going to pick mm-hmm. that up when it comes out. So the next episode is Marge versus the Monorail, season four, episode twelve. And uh, fam- wait, 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 hold on! I did not realize how many famous people were in Ken Burns's baseball as voice actors. Is uh is is Keith David in that? Because I know Keith David uh, did the voice um, narration in jazz. Okay, I think. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read off this list. Keith Carradine, David Crusoe, Billy Crystal, Ozzie Davis, Ed Harris, Dareth Jacoby, uh Stephen King, Delroy Lindo, Amy Amy Madigan, uh Michael Moriarty, Paul Newman, Gregory Peck, Jerry Stiller, John Turturro, Eli Wallach, Paul Winfield. And it's baseball players, but yeah. good God. There's a yeah, that's uh 
George Will. George Will is in it. Oh. The dude sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So season four, episode 12, Marge versus the Monorail. Famously, this is one of the episodes that was written by Conan O'Brien when he worked for The Simpsons. I didn't know he worked for The Simpsons. Yep. Yeah, early Simpsons include uh, people like some of the more famous ones would would be uh, Conan O'Brien, and then Brad Bird is the other like big, I think, kind of marquee. I, I noticed Brad Bird is the executive producer of the yeah. uh, Homer episode, and then of course like uh, James L. Brooks, who we'll talk about a little bit more in the next oh, episode too. Fucking legend was one of the uh, producers of the Simpsons. Uh, go watch Broadcast News, everyone. Yeah, good Literally movie. Everyone, great movie. So I picked this one just because it's my favorite episode of The Simpsons. It's uh, now I'm curious why this is considered most people's favorite. Um, there's a few reasons. One, it's uh, well, I think it's hilarious. It's got some of my favorite gags in it. It's got a. Gr- it is very funny. I what, what 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 I just don't think like it stood out above the other two you showed me. But I do know the yeah. other two are considered some of the best two. So I yeah, was just curious yeah. why this is because every list I looked at, it was this one at the top. So I'm curious what makes it this one at the top. Mm. It's just the bits. So many good bits. Yeah, I okay. love uh, I love Phil Hartman in this. Phil Hartman does a lot of like more regular. Phil Hartman characters. I think is in all three episodes. Yeah. So he plays. Um, Troy McClure, who's a like a washed up, sort of sort of washed up actor, um, mm-hmm. he plays Lionel Hutz, who's uh, the grifter lawyer type, and then in this one he has a one off character that he plays in a, a great performance as this smarmy con man, and then there's another guest star that we'll get to. This is peak Phil Hartman being Phil Hartman, yeah. sort of shit, yeah. So the chalkboard gag in this one is I will not eat things for money, which sure. I mean, the episode is sort of about money, but it doesn't have anything to do with like eating things for money. Yeah. And then the couch gag is they sit in front of the TV and then a bunch of other characters sit in front of them and block the TV. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those episodes where I was saying um, the episode starts with Homer leaving work to the Flintstones theme and then after he's left, you see Lenny and Carl, who are Homer's um, co-workers, who are prominent secondary characters. They're packing up toxic waste, and then Burns and Smithers take it where they dump it to the park. Or don't dump it like they stuff it in in like a Trees. hollowed out tree. Yeah. And the tree has tentacles. And <laughs> we see a squirrel with like superpowers like it has laser eyes yeah (laughs) cooking its own acorns for itself yeah they uh they get arrested by the epa (laughs) which is interesting like the epa plays a prominent uh part in the simpsons movie actually huh so i thought that was interesting that they're they're making another epa reference here so um burns has to stand trial they do so with him um in a hannibal lecter type yes yeah there's actually two hannibal lecter references in in this episode and then the next episode now is this the only time that burns comes out as hannibal lecter because i've seen that picture before of him like that i think it is at least uh okay so then this is the first simpsons reference that i have seen already in the world not knowing simpsons okay yeah this one has a lot and then a stars burns has a ton everyone <laughs> yeah so 
he gets fined three million by the city of Springfield. So they hold a town meeting to decide how to spend the money. Town meetings are like sort of another popular thing that happened. Yeah. In so, episodes. uh, I think I watched Star is Burns before Marge versus the Monorail, mm-hmm. um, because I heard Marge versus the Monorail was like the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Star is Burns, they mentioned that like they always reject Marge's, Marge's ideas. Yeah. Um, so. I thought that was just like a thing they wrote for the show. And then this one started with uh, another town meeting where ideas are rejected. And I was like, oh, is this a thing? Is this like a thing thing? It's not that much of a thing to the point where like it was in two thirds of the episodes we watched for this. Yeah, It's not that often, but it is often enough where you see um, you see how a lot of the townspeople sort of think of Marge as a wet blanket. Okay. Um, so they, they have a town meeting and they're trying to figure out how they want to spend the money. So Lisa and Bart both have varying, uh, or opposing, I guess, ideas of how they want to use it for the school system. Lisa has a a fantasy about VR helmets where (laughs) Genghis Khan takes, (laughs) Genghis Khan takes them on a tour of like him, him just like massacring Absolutely ravaging. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bart wants giant ants to de- destroy the school. Yeah, Bart's definitely going to get that. Yeah. So one of the, it's not that common a meme, but uh, a more common meme that that is similar. You know the um, the Steve Buscemi from from Thirty Rock, where it's like, how, how do you do, fellow kids? Ha- yeah. This this one has sort of a similar thing it's not used nearly as often though but mr burns with a fake mustache must fake mustache saying his name is mr snrub and i come yep. from someplace far away and he says that we should give the money back to the power plant yeah you'll see that is a meme every now and then of somebody okay. like basically being a, a very obvious imposter yeah so marge they, they don't take kindly to, to that idea though no no Marge actually has a good idea where she wants to fix Main Street. Public transit is always important uh, yeah. to work on. And and hey, hey, they work on public transit. Mm-hmm. And and she almost gets that through. Grandpa, so the the guy who says we could fix up Main Street is Abe Simpson, Grandpa Simpson. It's Homer's dad. He's a... Uh, uh-huh. An old oh, that's child. Homer's dad. Yeah, that's Homer's dad. Oh, um, a, a famous line I think is when he says we could fix it, and everyone like th- picks him up and throws him up in the air and cheers, and they're like, "Yeah!" And he says, "I ain't for it. I'm against it." <laughs> that's a pretty popular one. Mm-hmm. But right before they get to actually voting on it, you hear a whistle from the back of the room, and it's a man named Lyle Landley, who's uh a visitor in town he's wearing like a straw hat he's definitely the music man yeah and they they actually there's another shelby shelbyville reference here too so he, oh really he, yeah he says oh yeah um, yeah 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 yeah. that's that's right he's like oh i've got an idea uh it's more of a shelbyville idea <laughs> yeah they don't take kindly to that as either yeah um one other of my favorite lines is when he's he, he introduces himself by saying a town 
a town with money is like a mule with a spinning wheel. Nobody knows how we got it and damned if he knows how to use it. And and Homer just says, <laughs> mule. <laughs> so he breaks into song about, you know, he, he brought a monorail to other cities, including Brockway, Ogdenville, and North Haverbrook. Um, he breaks into a, a song that like rouses the town and they, they go for it and they're going to build a monorail. Now, are the, are music number, numbers a, a usual occurrence in Simpsons? So, I, I actually have the, this written down in my notes. Uh, they oh. they happen every now and then, but it's not like, I think Bob's Burgers sort of... I was just about to say. They sort of did a musical number sporadically, maybe a little bit more than The Simpsons early on, and then have ramped up to now. I feel like they're doing a short musical number in nearly every episode. At least every other episode at this yeah. point. Yeah, in The Simpsons, they're not doing it nearly as often, but um, they did do did do maybe a few a season. There's there's not it. They're not doing like a full. I think the Bob's Burgers album is like a hundred tracks or something like that. The first, yeah. the first uh, eight or that, nine. That album's really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evie really likes the da ding ding song. <laughs> what about Electric Love? That's I think the best. Bob's Burgers. I, I remember like just like the characters in that episode, like my jaw dropped when like the foil orchestra comes mm-hmm. out with the Oh, so good. Um dude, this Simpsons and Bob's Burgers have literally the exact same family setup. Yeah, yeah. Well well it, three kids, but but two two uh the oldest is a it's girl boy girl in Bob's Burgers and boy girl and it's, girl. It's still three kids. kids, two girls. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to get us a little off track. I'm sorry. But I'm curious, as you're a fan of both Simpsons and Bob's Burgers, if you had to draft a dad, a mom, two girls, and a son from these two shows, who do you pick? I probably pick Homer and then Bob's Burgers for the rest. Wow. Okay. Interesting. The strength of the Simpsons, though, is not just the core family. It's the, yeah. It's like the supporting characters mm-hmm. because the all of the secondary and tertiary characters in the simpsons are so rich and granted it's been going on long enough that that it's easy to to know them pretty well mm-hmm. but if, Who, who's your favorite secondary character um that's a good question mm-hmm. Ralph Wiggum is a pretty good one in terms of one-liners. He doesn't have a lot of substance to him, but all of his one-liners, uh, almost to a T, are hilarious. His dad, Chief Wiggum, is oh got to be up. Oh, there. that's 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 the police's yeah. uh, kid. Oh, um, I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah. What episode's that in? Um, I don't know. I would have to look that up. I I was just curious if you would do off the top of your head. You don't have to look it up. <laughs> But yeah, so so the Simpsons, um, their supporting char- characters, cast of mm-hmm. characters is just. To be fair, I think the Bob's Burgers supporting cast of characters is very good too. But it it, it really is. Um, for for Bob's Burgers, I have a definite like one two of my favorites, which are uh, Teddy and Zeke. Oh, Zeke is the best. Yep. I don't like Teddy that much. Oh, I love Teddy. Teddy's good. It's really Zeke though. <laughs> like Zeke's the best. Jeju, <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm crying. 
Um, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, so the the episode ends with a commercial break of them basically going for uh, the monorail. They're going to build a monorail in Springfield. Yes. They have a little like, red carpet thing, and they show some of the stars who are out for the maiden voyage of the... Uh... Oh, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I, I, skipped, I skipped too forward. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Um, they de- they decide they're going to do the monorail, and oh, Ly- yeah, yeah. Lyle Landley visits the school, and he he has to pick a conductor. Yeah, so first he visits the school, and he's just like schmoozing with the kids. And Lisa, asks, oh yeah, Lisa asks him um, a really insightful question as to why does this type of city need a monorail? And he says uh-huh. he he basically shows that even though Lisa is incredibly smart. He can charm her too by saying, I could tell you, but you'd really be the only one here who would understand the answer, and that includes your teacher. Mm-hmm. So he he schmoozes his way out of that one. Yeah. And then there's a common theme in The Simpsons where despite Homer having like a solid job at the nuclear power plant, a job that he's rem- like wildly unqualified for, <laughs> he very, very frequently works other jobs instead. And this is mm-hmm. one of those episodes where he sees a commercial on TV during, um, he's, he's watching or no, he sees, he sees a commercial for a Brando truckosaurus movie. <laughs> and, and then, sure. um, he sees, he sees another commercial for being the monorail conductor. So he goes to monorail conductor school and, the last lesson is mono equals one, rail equals rail. Lyle Landley at this point, it's very, it's, if it wasn't obvious before, it's made overt that he is just grifting the town and he kind of haphazardly assigns Homer to the job of conductor. Yeah, he does it about as random as Chico doing like the once at Tusa yeah. and duck soup. He basically goes, uh, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> So Homer is now the conductor of the monorail, and as they are leading up to the maiden voyage of it, he is showing Marge the monorail in the the pilot's cabin, and he sees uh, Mm -hmm. they open his locker, and there's a family of possums living in there. It was so gross. I call the big one bitey is a line that Nellie and I use a lot. (laughs) What do you guys use that with? I don't know. It just comes it it comes up a surprising amount for whatever reason. Next call, time you use that in a sentence, you know, I want to know the context. I call the big one bitey. So Marge um, sees kind of the she's suspicious. It it doesn't her her hackles are raised because it seems like maybe something is going awry. Is Marge generally the common sense one in the family? Um, it's Lisa, then Marge, then Barton Homer. Maggie? Like, yeah, yeah, then Barton <laughs> Homer way at the bottom. What, what, is, what is Maggie's role in general in the family? She doesn't have a lot of one. I mean, she can't talk. It's She, she gets into trouble every now and then. Um, but she I feel like the 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 
Halloween episode I watched, she was one of the main characters in that one, I think. In yeah, one of the stories. I know there's a Halloween one where she's like, it turns out she's the main villain or something like that. But Huh, okay. I'm really trying to remember from way too long ago here, yeah. so I shouldn't. I, I we should just move on. There are more Maggie-centric episodes, but for the most part, she's in essence a secondary character who just happens to get a lot of screen time. Gotcha. Um, so Mar- Marge is in Lyle Inley's office and stumbles upon his notebook, um, and he finds her. She says she didn't see anything incriminating, <laughs> and then. Goes to North Haverbrook, which she remembers is one of the three cities that Lyle Landley said he'd been to. Yeah, they, they look like they went through like The Walking Dead or something. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a ghost town. Everyone seems traumatized by even the mention of a monorail, and which they say doesn't exist, and then close the window and it says mon- like monorail cafe. Yeah. Um. She meets the monorail engineer, and basically he admits that it was um, poorly poorly engineered, poorly made at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we come back from the commercial break, and this is where uh, we have the red carpet for the the first voyage of the monorail before it takes off, and we meet famous people, including Lurleen Lumpkin, who's a country singer. And there's an episode from a season or two before this where Homer's actually her manager. She's like a Dolly Parton-esque country singer. Mm -hmm. But by this one, she's like washed up and and like, I don't know if she's an an alcoholic or or she says she slept in a ditch or something like that. Yeah, that was sad. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of of, uh, past their prime celebrities, uh, especially... Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy from uh, a little something I like to call Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. God damn it. Nick, you know, you know I'm right. Star Trek. I s- you, you are right, but did you watch Star Trek? No, I was, I was too busy being cool. Whatever. Watching Doctor Who. Star Trek's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did watch Doctor Who. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> The monorail takes off and it immediately mm-hmm. starts falling apart. Marge and the engineer guy get into town, but are too late to stop it. Nimoy on the uh, on the train is boring other people with his stories about Star Trek, <laughs> which is pretty great. I wanted to hear those stories. I should have been on that monorail. The, I'd have talked to Nimoy. Well, you would have uh, faced near certain death because the monorail's out of control the brakes straight up don't work they can't cut the power because it's solar powered (laughs) but miraculously there's a solar eclipse (laughs) and nimoy has the great line of a solar eclipse the cosmic ballet goes on and the guy next to him is just like does anyone want to switch seats and I love the joke where you think that the solar eclipse is the day you sex like saves mach- the day. Yes, the day you sex machina to save the day, and then like it only lasts. It, ends. <laughs> it only lasts a second, and then it ends, and the train starts going again. So basically, Homer fashions um, an anchor out of one of the letters from the M from monorail, mm-hmm. and he uh, 
throws it off they tie it they tie the one end to the train they throw it and it drags across the town just like wreaks havoc on the town and then finally gets stuck in a giant donut well i mean it literally destroys main street in the end yeah you need a lot of road improvement costs after that yeah what what was once a bad street that needed fixing is now considerably worse (laughs) and then it basically sounds like the simpsons oeuvre in general yes it basically ends with um, Nimoy saying, my work here is done. And Barney says, you didn't do anything. And he says, didn't I? And then dissolves. That's another famous... Uh, it's not a dissolve. Oh, my God. It's uh, some kind of Star Trek thing where he it's like disappears. beamed. Everyone knows what beamed is. Uh, looks like he dissolves. You're just... You know we if can't. I act- ever get if if I ever get an episode, I'm making you watch like five Star Trek. You know he can't now. actually do that. He's an actor, and I know, I know. Star Trek is it's pretend. Yeah, it's made up by writers. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to that section of our episode so many times. I'm so upset. <laughs> I just. Why are you upset? Next, next, quick the podcast. You look like you're gonna punch something. Because people are just such fucking losers about this stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, so I also Nick's been pushed to the edge by the recent um, Marvel discourse. Uh, we every should, we Marvel, should, ad- oh we should admit that, like, this is you're, you're already on on thin ice when it no, comes to no property should be allowed to have a universe. Like, it's yeah. just too much. Like, you're not a yeah. universe. You're just a movie. For the love of Christ! <laughs> what about the Muppet Universe? No, there's no Muppet Universe. There's no, there's no yeah. nothing like. <laughs> no but nothing. the Muppet Universe is awesome. All these stories are just made up. They're just made up by writers. <laughs> like, <laughs> did we break Nick? <laughs> we like, none of this, sh- none of this shit is real. <laughs> none of this matters. What are we doing? I'm out of here. It's just made up. <laughs> Star Trek is also made up, whereas The Simpsons, real, which leads to, like, can Leonard Nimoy actually do these things? Yeah. Perhaps. Um, And that's the end of the episode. There's a little bit at the end about all the other dumb things that Springfield has done and spent their money on. Mm -hmm. But that is Marge versus the monorail. Yeah. Um, I think I read on the Wikipedia page that they tried to get William Shatner, actually, which... Would have been different, but I think it could have worked in its own way too. Mm-hmm. Well, we do get a Shatner reference in our third episode. We do. That is season six, episode eighteen, "A Star Is Burns." This one, the intro doesn't actually have a chalkboard gag. It was shortened for some episodes, so this one just cuts uh-huh. to the end. The couch gag is um, the family in reverse size, so Maggie's the biggest and Homer's the smallest, and then. This one, notably, uh, Matt Groening's episode or, or name is absent from the episode because he hated that this was done um, seemingly, well, I mean, not seemingly, it was done as cross-promotion of The Critic, which was a show that James L. Brooks produced um, yeah. and was headed by a couple like former Simpsons showrunners. He thought that it was bad, so wanted his name taken off. Mm-hmm. Now, now, where do you fall on the controversy? 
Um, Simpsons has certainly done worse things than doing a crossover <laughs> episode, like like cringier, lamer things than doing a crossover episode. So, I mean, if he doesn't want his name on, sure, by all means. If it was a me, I would have left my name on it. Are are you more of a Matt Groening or a James L. Brooks kind of guy? I don't know enough about either of them personally, but I mean, hmm. I don't know. James L. Brooks did was, make broadcast news. Yeah, I was just curious. So this, Given James L. Brooks was on one side of this controversy and he made broadcast news, I was going to take his side in this controversy. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this one, obviously, we, we I wanted to pick this one because it's about movies and it's about yeah film film festivals, and it seems like it is generally one of the better regarded episodes. Yeah, yeah. And this one's chock full of references. So yeah, it starts off with um, Kent Brockman, who's a TV news anchor, on an episode of his show called Ion Springfield, where it basically just illustrates how unpopular Springfield is. It's the least popular city in America, essentially. (laughs) And um, Lisa is worried about Springfield. So they, um, the town ends up holding a a town hall because like, as Lisa sort of illustrates, people are going to think lesser of the town because of this kind of reporting. Yeah. So they have ideas as to like how to improve Springfield's um, like standing in the cultural zeitgeist. Patty and Selma propose changing it to Seinfeld. Uh huh. <laughs> now, now those are Marge's sisters. Yeah, those are Marge's twin sisters who we see okay. later in the episode. They um, yeah, chain smokers vary into MacGyver. I think one of them marries. Um, Sideshow Bob, who's a, a recurring villain in the show, voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Oh God, really? Yeah, he's that's a that's a great side character. And then the other one, I think. What the fuck is his hair doing? I th- he's a clown. Uh, I think the other one ended up coming out in like later seasons of The Simpsons, but don't quote me on that because I'm not a hundred percent. Okay. Um. So Marge has another good idea that people decide to go for like her main street idea in the last episode, which is to hold a film festival. Yeah. So that's why I was so confused. Cause in these two episodes, Marge's ideas are good. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. She has good okay. ideas, but, but do they usually not think they're good ideas? I think they usually do. It's just every now and then, like I know there's an episode where there's a brothel in town and people and people um, like rally towards, rally to the side of the brothel and Marge is the only one against it. Um, so okay. th- things like that, she uh, doesn't have the best idea compared mm-hmm. compared with the rest of the folks of Springfield. So we, we see a couple movies that people are making. Bart's movie is called The Eternal Struggle, which is Homer trying to put on pants. <laughs> Ned uh, and his family try to make a Moses movie. Now, now, is Ned Flanders a religious character? Is he like yeah, he's like a hyper religious person, yeah, hyper religious next door neighbor of the Simpsons, and okay. um, he prays to God when uh, Todd accidentally floats away on the little bassinet that they put in the river, and God knocks a tree down and saves him. And then, what does he say when he thanks God? 
Oakley Doakley. That's a that's a Ned <laughs> Flanders ism. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. There's a um there's a oh let me find this. There's a metal band. Yeah. Called there, Ned Flanders? No, there's a metal band called Oakley Doakley that is oh. uh Ned Flanders themed. Oh, they they don't call themselves metal, they call themselves nettle. Spelled God. Ned. Um yeah. their last names are all Ned. Okay. And uh they all dress like Ned Flanders. Okay. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so Marge is trying to find a, a film critic to invite to be on the, the panel for the film festival. Mm-hmm. And they see the critic on TV, who's uh Jay. From the TV show The Critic, which lasted uh, two seasons, and it was a show, um, he's voiced by John Lovitz, and the show was run by um, Al Jean and Mike Reese, and executive produced by James L. Brooks, so it it had um, Simpsons, you know, uh, creators. Now, did you ever watch this show? I've not seen every episode. I've seen maybe half the episodes. It's it's fine. It's it's not great. But it's not, so, it's not terrible. I, for one, did not know that this was a show going into this episode. Oh. Um, I thought they just completely made up this person. So I was <laughs> okay. kind of... Wondering who this was conf- and what the... Yeah. That's I was why almost I like, wondering if it was a critic that I just didn't know from the 90s. Yeah. That's why, like, at the end of the episode, he says to them, like, if you ever want to come out to New York City and Bart's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And that, and then there's another part where Bart says, uh, like, here for a cheap um, television show crossover. Oh, so yeah. There's like, there's like a Jetsons Flintstones crossover that he makes it like a corny crossover reference to. And then Jay walks in. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is this like and I was thinking maybe this is a live action show that the person I was so confused the whole time I was watching it, but um makes sense now. Yeah. yeah. This is what happened. Also, this is the one crossover we're going to have with the Janet episode is John Lovitz is featured here and is featured oh, yeah. in the movies we talked about with Janet. That's right. So Marge puts on his show and he's interviewing Rainier Wolfcastle, who's um, like a German or maybe Aust- Austrian. He's supposed to be sort of like a action figure Schwarzenegger type who stars in a series of movies which are called the McBain movies (laughs) McBain is the character he plays so we see a clip of him from something called let's get silly where Uh he's a uh, comedian who just murders the audience apparently yes and a very famous reference that I always see is uh, that's that's the joke so and, and what I think is interesting is when people use that's the joke as a meme they're saying it's it's for people who like didn't get the joke yeah and it's clarifying yes that is the joke but the way it's actually used in this episode is he's just saying that's it the joke's over yeah but it's yeah it's funny how that sort of evolved the other joke that i think is pretty interesting from an episode that aired in 1995 is that his woody allen impression is i'm a neurotic nerd who likes to sleep with little girls oh my god this is in nineteen ninety five. Where was the Woody Allen controversy at in in the nineties here? 
I don't know. I was ten when this came out. So yeah. I don't I don't know how much for that. Like even like knowing what we know, I don't know how much of this is based on him himself or things like the actual text of the movie Manhattan or something like that. Yeah. Um I'm not sure when Okay, I, he and Soon Yi I really don't want to do a deep dive into what he on right no, now. No, but what I want to do is kind of look at I just, I'm, what he... Okay, yeah, he married Sunyi Previn in 97, so I don't know when their relationship started. I'm really, um, I'm really loath to look too much into his biography. Yeah, uh, what was he making in the 90s? Like what was what was what was the movie around this time? Oh, so bullets over Broadway. Yeah. So the first allegations against him were made publicly in '92. Okay. So it looks like, uh, yeah, the it seems like that's when his career just becomes shit in terms of quality yeah, of movie, yeah. not not quality of human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. person, fucker, but uh. Yeah, his last, like, quote-unquote, I think, classic movie would be Crimes and Misdemeanors in 89. Mm-hmm. And then there's some well-regarded movies after that, but none of them, you know, kind of kind of reached that uh, level. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that this joke is probably rooted on that then, like the actual things that feels like sort of surprising that this is the type of joke that got made about him in yeah. the 90s but i don't know good for them um, is this like hannibal burris making the bill cosby jokes it, it must yeah it, it must be yeah so uh because jay jay like makes fun of rainer wolf castle in a way that's too clever for him to understand immediately but later he bumps into him on the street he threatens to kill him and uh, Jay decides to use that opportunity to skip town, go to Springfield, and get away from Wayne Wolf Castle. So he uh, he lands in Springfield. Bart makes the I smell another cheap cartoon crossover joke when Jay comes into the house. Yeah. Homer um, Homer and Jay don't get along. He's a little bit jealous of him. Um, both because Jay can belch louder than him, but it, it's so gross. It, it's mainly because um, intellectually he's he's intimidated by him, and Marge seems to be like impressed with Jay's intellect. So, meanwhile, um, Burns is losing money, and Smithers thinks that they need to do a biopic to like rehabilitate his image. Or as Burns says, to gloss over his evil rise to power. I mean, that's most biopics. So he, and we'll talk about the movies that they make, but he he wants to get Steven Spielberg, and when he's unavailable, they he says get get me his non union Mexican equivalent. So they get Senor Spielbergo. I was really afraid that it was going to be like Alfonso Cuarón. No, uh, it's Spielbergo is the type of. (laughs) joke that that uh yeah the simpsons goes for um so they start interviewing actors for his biopic so they interview um hopkins as hannibal lecter they interview shatner and they interview yeah 
or audition Homer, who gets the line wrong. <laughs> and the Bumblebee guy, who's another like tertiary character in the show. Burns doesn't like any of them uh-huh. and decides that he's going to play himself. Of course. There's, there's no other option. Yeah. So Marge is uh, at home making the jury list. Homer confronts her about his um, intellectual insecurities, and she decides that um, she'll put him on the jury in order to prove that she doesn't think he's kind of a dummy. And in doing so, has to cross off Martin Scorsese. <laughs> oh. So the... Uh, the film fest starts. Oh, actually another, there's like a, a throwaway joke of, um, Jay talking to Patty and Selma, the sisters where he says, Camus can do, but but Sartre is smartra. That's something I've seen (laughs) joked about every now and then on, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then the MacGyver is gay thing. Yeah. The MacGyver is gay. So he gets uh, beaten up by them. And so I, I didn't know that they were MacGyver fans or something. So they're big, they're big MacGyver heads. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to the film festival and we start seeing people's movies. So Apu, um, who's like the Quickie Mart owner, manager, operator guy, uh, has a movie called Bright Lights Beef Jerky. <laughs> Mo has uh, what I think is the best title, <laughs> which is Mo Better Booze. Um, and his is like a little musical about drinking at his bar yep hans mole man who's a tertiary character who's just like a small frail old man mm-hmm. has a movie of <laughs> him getting hit in the groin by a football and that's yeah. the movie the the noise that it makes when it hits him <laughs> it's a little like doink, is so incredible um homer of course thinks it's hilarious and he's the one who really stumps for that movie is he wrong it's hit it's his uh first cow i would say is he wrong though he's not i think it's great i think it's great too um barney the the festival darling is barney's movie which is an art house black and white movie about alcoholism do you know what do you remember what it's called (laughs) Pocahontas. <laughs> that that probably got the biggest laugh out of me besides the Homer getting his bat blown in half by Roger Clemens. Yeah. So people seem to really love his his movie. It seems moving and and deep. It really looks sort of like the the indie type of like serious drama that we see out of film festivals. A24 logo comes up before it. Yeah. Annapurna logo comes up before. It's very Annapurna. Neon. Mm-hmm. That's true. So Burns um, screens his, which is like... A Burns for all seasons. Yeah, a Burns for all seasons. It seems like the kind of bullshit biopic that we're sort of used to seeing. The opening, like the, the title card is over him in the creation of Adam painting. It shows him later, like, helping out Ben-Hur. It shows him as E.T. Which... Saying just goodbye to Elliot. I, I love that he, he walks into the spaceship and it's that, like, profile... Uh, that, like, silhouette profile of, like, mm-hmm. E.T., but it's just Mr. Burns. Yeah. 
good stuff. So everyone hates it. Rightly so. Yeah, as as they should. Another famous bit from this is, are they booing me? And he says, no, they're saying boo urns. Boo urns. And Hans Molman says, I was saying boo urns. That's something that you've probably seen. I was saying boo urns. I haven't. Oh, no. Well, I, the next I, I shouldn't say I haven't seen it. I should just say I, it hasn't. You don't. Like, you don't recall it. Lodged in my memory. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, question for you: Of all these movies, which one do you think would be best? Oh my god! I was going to ask you that. I was going to vote for Man Getting Hit by Football. I, I think that's where I'm going to go to. Fuck yes. I mean, to quote Homer, the ball has grown. It works on so many levels. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. It's it's probably the most entertaining and uh, the most thoughtful to the product that it is. Mm-hmm. I do like in Barney's when um, it shows him at a Girl Scout meeting. And he says, is this a Girl Scout meeting or is it you girls can't admit you have a problem? I mean, to be fair, Pukahontas was actually pretty good. Yeah. But I just, I really loved Man Getting Hit by Football. So, this next thing will be a meme that you've definitely seen before, which is oh their, the, the film festival panel is going to vote on the best film. So, the panel is comprised of Marge and Jay, who both really like Pukahontas. Homer, yeah. who, of course, is the tie-breaking vote. Though he wants to go for man getting and who, wait, who are the other two that are voting for a Burns of all seasons? Yes. Yeah. So the other two are Krusty the Clown, who is like the town celebrity. He does a children's show. Um, is he a bad guy? He's very like grifty, greedy type. Okay. And then the uh, corrupt mayor, um, Quimby, who's another grifter type. Okay, so, so they're both going to vote for a man for uh, a Burns for all seasons because, um, as Krusty says, let's say it moved me to a bigger <laughs> house, and then he says, "I said the quiet part loud." Yeah, that's you've seen. I, I, I said the quiet part loud. You've seen you've seen that before, right? Oh yeah, that's become uh, quite popular to use, especially over the last four years. Man, if Trumpism hasn't given us one thing to meme, it's that meme every fucking time he opens his mouth. Yeah, that one became very popular over the last four years. Uh, yeah. So Homer um, decides to rewatch the movies and ultimately does decide to throw his vote Barney's way. So Barney does win. Marge is very proud of Homer for making that decision, and he Dick. concedes that... Um, or, or comes to the realization that it is not that tough being a film cricket. Is that what we should call ourselves now film, on the podcast? Film crickets? I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm good with being a film cricket. It's it's probably more accurate than calling ourselves film, film critics. Yeah. <laughs> Barney gets a... Uh, so this is maybe my most used meme from all of the Simpsons. Oh, same. Bar- I use this meme. Barney's grand prize is... Um, he gets a life's, lifetime supply of Duff, which is the Simpsons beer brand. And he says, just, yeah. hook it, just hook it to my veins, which is something else that I've used when uh, bad things happen to people I dislike 
or far less frequently good things happen i will uh, i mean just, just took it to you, my veins did you hear about uh the fact that michael mann's making an hbo max series with ken watanabe yeah and isn't it about like corruption and like politics or the judicial system well the it's a michael mann like that? movie that part that that part is obvious <laughs> uh, not always okay but sometimes. name me one movie that michael mann didn't direct that wasn't corruption in politics uh Miami Vice. Okay. That's just about And Ali, probably. It's about dudes being cool, drinking mojitos. Well, there you go. Okay, fine. But usually it's the case. But that that was one I was like, Nick is just gonna hook that straight to his veins. Oh yeah, for sure. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um So after Barney hooks that straight to his veins, Marge says it's nice to know that there are some awards that can't be bought. <laughs> It cuts to months later when Burns is at the Oscars and he says he basically bribed everyone. He's going to get this award. And unfortunately for him, a Burns for all seasons loses. It looks like he's up for, not for best picture, but they're presenting best actor. Oh, okay. And he loses to George C. Scott in Man Getting Hit by Football. And George C. Scott plays himself in that, which is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. So, I can't imagine uh, trying to explain to like a 1990s George C. Scott that like there's this show called The Simpsons and in it they've written a joke where you get hit by the football. We need you to come into the day to the studio to record you going, Ugh! <laughs> When did he... So he died in 99. He, he got to quite an old age. Yeah. Oh, he was just 71? He was 71 in 1999? I thought he was 71 in the 70s when it was Patton. I'm curious as to who did his voice in this episode. It was George C. Scott. Oh, he did it himself? I mean, they say guest appearances. Uh, John Lennon, oh, Maurice LaMarche, okay. and George C. Scott. And, and no, uh, it's, Phil it's, Hartman. No, it's Maurice LaMarche as George C. Scott. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Phil Hartman as uh, Ben-Hur. Yeah. God, that would have been so cool if George Scott played himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, Sorry. So, that is A Star's Burns. What did did you think about that episode? Uh, I mean, all three were great. I I loved them all. Oh, but but, but we we didn't say... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did say that he uh, lost to George C. Scott. Uh, and guess hit by football. Yeah, that one must have been like uh, distributed by the Weinstein Company to not have Burns be able to buy that win off the Oscars. Yeah. Although they make a Weinstein reference in the in this episode that doesn't age well. What what was it? Uh, don't don't they say he's he he's a gay person? Oh, I don't remember that. I I, I thought when they were the the Marge's sisters were asking. The critic who's gay in Hollywood, he first says Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Firestein. Oh. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I misheard that line. Harvey Firestein is... Um, what is he? He's in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's like the makeup artist in Mrs. Doubtfire. And and then he's in um, Independence Day. Uh, okay. He's got a very distinct voice. You would know. You would know him... If you heard him speak, for sure, like guaranteed. Okay, oh, I thought it was Harvey Weinstein, and I was like, "That's a weird joke to make." No, no. 
Um, 30 Rock is where you want to go for all the uh, the Weinstein jokes. So those yeah. were um, three classic peak Simpsons era episodes of The Simpsons. Do you think you'll, mm-hmm. uh, has this inspired you to go back and dive into more? I'm curious to um, learn some of the characters. When I was scrolling through the episodes, there was a lot of interesting uh, episode titles that I was like, hmm, I wonder what happens in that episode. Like, for example, uh, the next episode after Stars Burns is called uh, Lisa's Wedding. I'm so curious to see what transpires to try to make Lisa a character who seems very against the concept of marriage. Um, I believe, want to get married. I believe that one is like a uh, a fortune teller talks about her wedding and it's like a flash. It's like a flash forward, a potential flash forward. Okay. Yeah. Phil Hartman's in that episode too. Yeah. Phil Hartman's in a lot of episodes from this era of The Simpsons. He's like so, in it enough that he's almost a regular cast member. And so is Mandy Patinkin. Oh, he plays uh, the the boy that Lisa meets. You'll I won't spoil it for you, but okay. Uh, when did Phil Hartman die? Because I thought he died in the I think ninety nine maybe or ninety eight actually. Okay. Okay. Um, fuck. Yeah. I wish we had Phil Hartman around today. Yeah. And his, him dying, like, not that him being around would have saved The Simpsons, but, <laughs> like, so many of his bits were some of the best Simpsons jokes. I genuinely want to hear your thesis that uh, Phil Hartman was the reason why The Simpsons went downhill. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think... Um, He's the reason why, but they do sort of didn't dovetail help. pretty well timeline wise. Like it's not long after he dies that the peak era of the Simpsons also goes downhill. Was there some like writer that left, um, or like a creator? Because that's usually what happens when a a, a show, uh, kind of like like Steven Hillenburg leaving uh, SpongeBob. Like that's when uh, or dying, more specifically. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure oh, there were you, are. Were you like, not a SpongeBob person? No, I wasn't. Slightly too old. Mm-hmm. So, I I know that um, like Conan and Brad Bird both left at, at some point in like the mid '90s. So okay, that that certainly like played into a little bit, but sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, good show. It's uh, these seasons like the first nine or ten seasons the simpsons have watched like a million times and uh it's like comfort food i just kind of put it on and let it wash over me and they're great now i'm curious to ask besides these three episodes what is like one that she returned to the most in the simpsons catalog so the next one that i would have given probably would have been you only move twice because it's got a great um uh Albert Brooks oh, supporting, Albert supporting Brooks. role where Homer gets a new job, moves out of town and Albert Brooks is his new boss. He's a cool boss, but there's a catch and I'll leave it at that. You should watch that. I one. mean, it seems it's like there's really always, like all there's always catch, episodes yeah. start with like, here's a good thing, but there's a catch. Yeah. Yeah. So that one I would definitely uh, recommend checking out next. Okay. Sounds good. And then I just, I love Albert Brooks so much. Yeah. So next up for our show, we'll be back in a week with um, 
exterminating the f- angel the full crew yeah jana will be back i will be back the three of us will be back um for our second boon well yep we're gonna be talking the exterminating wait angel. what was the first one uh your favorite bel du jour <sighs> good movie that's so we're gonna talk exterminating <laughs> angel it is currently streaming on criterion okay and have you seen it before no this is one we're gonna have almost back-to-back episodes that i haven't seen this and then floating weeds oh you haven't seen floating weeds before yeah so uh i don't think i've mentioned this on the podcast but i'm currently watching every Every single ozu Ozu movie including rewatching the ones i've seen before that really actually wasn't part of the plan until two things happened recently where it was like i would i have to watch uh ozu's that i've already seen was like well i'll watch the other couple that <laughs> i have mm-hmm. seen already um so I- i'm gonna go into floating weeds just fucking ready for that yeah it's good i i um i'm looking forward to rewatching that and then watching the uh, original two but exterminating angels weird movie yep. sure yeah well. so you can uh follow us on twitter or on letterboxd at great movies pod and as always Roger out. Roger out. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. All right. Recording. Good. Hello and welcome to the Great Movies Pod Effect. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show wherein we review the movies from Robert Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I tried to do that off the top of my head and uh, it's, it's tough. I, didn't, I wasn't prepared. Over again or? No, let's keep it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it live! Because today, did the Simpsons ever make a reference to that? I don't know. Probably. Let's just start. They over. made a reference to everything. Okay. <laughs> Let's start over. This is a fucking nightmare. I'm gonna pull up the old intro. Uh, I, I I can't. This happens to me every time I try to not just like wing it. I know. Like, it's I gonna know, be fine. It's like two sentences. What was the last one I hosted? It's been a while since I've hosted. I think because I'm doing the next one. Mm-hmm. Was it a double indemnity? Oh, no, it's been since then, I think, right? Did I do Oh, you hosted ET. Oh, no, Jana no, hosted I didn't. Yeah, I didn't host ET. <laughs> Jana hosted ET. No, I did Strange Love. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay. All right. So I've got the I've got the intro pull up on my notes. Oh, that was the one where we did the bit. Okay. <laughs>